Anybody remember what book we're in right now? <laughs> the book of Proverbs. Book of Proverbs, yes. So we're just making our way through chapter 1 in the book of Proverbs. And uh, today, a couple of verses as we're just moving through that first chapter. He says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. And so a part of that is crystal clear, a part of that we'll have to dig into a little bit to make sure that it is understood. But here in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, I think there are some underlying thoughts that would come out of this. And so, uh, as he is speaking to his son, and by the way, this word son, it's not talking about male versus female, it's just talking about offspring. And so, the reason that he brings this up is because that which is true about his children is also true about ours that there will be a lot of voices trying to speak into your life. Lots of voices always speaking into our lives, trying to shape our values. And that thought behind verses 8 and 9 is that we have to be careful to whom we listen. The advice to children uh, is that you don't want to listen to just anybody. And a lot of this is applicable to adults as well. Not everybody has earned the right to speak into your life and be heard. That is something that we earn, is that right to speak into our children's lives by the sacrifices we have made, by the love that we have shown, by the example that we have modeled, we are to earn the right to speak into our children's lives. Not everybody is qualified to be speaking into somebody else's life. Not everybody is trying to give you God's point of you when they speak into your life. Not everybody loves you. Not everybody has the best interests in mind when they speak into your life. And so the book of Proverbs tells children, um, be careful who you allow to speak into your life. And uh, he says very specifically, uh, 
What you want to do is listen to your dad and listen to your mom. That assumes, number one, that the dad and the mom are going to be godly influences. That is a duty that God has given to parents. We don't have permission to raise our children our way. We have an obligation instead to raise them God's way. And so it assumes that they're going to get good instruction from their father and good teaching from their mother. Uh, God has put a family structure in place for great benefit to us and great benefit to God. When children listen to their parents, um, that is them understanding that God placed these people here and God in his wisdom did this for my protection and for my promotion, my advancement. That that's why he gave me these parents. And so what do you think the devil wants to do? The devil wants to make sure that kids do just the opposite. Don't listen to your dad. Don't listen to your mom. Uh, that's what the devil wants to do. And for the wise child, um, they cling to their parents' instruction and teaching. And for the foolish child, they do just the opposite. Like, you can't tell me because, whatever the reason is, I uh, had a young couple in counseling years ago, and um, her grandmother was trying to give her advice and trying to help her, and uh, she was so much smarter than grandmother, and she uh, didn't want to hear anything that grandmother had to say. And her grandmother said, all right, but let me tell you, I've never seen it work out when you're not willing to listen to your parents. And this young lady was so convinced that she had everything figured out and she knows best and knows what she wants and knows what she's doing and it was one of the worst weddings that I've ever officiated and um, difficult to watch as everything fell apart uh, in the end and uh, marriage that didn't last long um, just not teachable, would not take advantage of the structure that was around her, independent, arrogant spirit that is just the opposite of verse number eight. 
God in his wisdom built a family structure around children for their protection, their provision, their proliferation. And God holds parents accountable for how the children are raised and instructed and how they are taught. A foolish father will forsake his children, will mislead his children. And a foolish mother, uh, the book of Proverbs says that she will tear her house down with her own hands rather than building it up. And then verse number nine, it says, indeed, they are a graceful wreath, talking about the father's instruction. And the father uh, would be that one who would generally instruct the kids second, not first. They would teach the kids theology and career development and how to navigate the world and they help the kids to develop some sort of a skill. And the mother would be the one that would teach the kids the self-care and the manners and some sort of domestic skill. And uh, it was a team where both of them would partner together to make sure that this is a well-rounded child before they leave our home. And God says, when the dad and the mom do their part and the children listen to that instruction and that teaching, that they are a graceful wreath. Do you know what the wreath was for? It was a symbol of achievement that you, you, you would get a wreath if you won a contest of some sort a race or whatever it is, there would be a wreath that says winner. And so that's um, the Proverbs way of saying, you'll be a winner. And then in um, the B portion of verse number nine, it says, and that same instruction and teaching will be ornaments about your neck. In other words, uh, the leaders, the rulers, they would wear a necklace that was a symbol of honor, a symbol of leadership, a symbol of promotion. And that's the Proverbs way of saying, if everything goes according to plan, everybody does their role, everybody is wise, what will happen is uh, you will be honored. Those children will come to know honor, they'll be distinguished, they'll become leaders. And so when we talk about Proverbs 8 and 9, uh, this is God saying, hey, here's how I set you up for success, here's my recipe, I want you to do this, I want you to follow this, because here is where it's at. If you want to raise good, well-rounded, wise, productive, godly children, So what do y'all think about Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9? 
What do y'all think about that? A good example for your kids? A good model for parents to be thinking about? Grandparents? Good model for kids to follow? Yeah. Very good. Excellent observation. Someone has said, you don't know if your parenting was really successful until you see your children parenting. That's a very good observation, Brother Jack. Um, we have to make sure that we understand this is God's model and that this is the winning model. We don't want to tear ourselves away from this. Um, what is missing in these two verses that we often see in the book of Proverbs? Remember we said that Proverbs generally come in three categories? In some Proverbs, you get a direct contrast to what was said. Uh-huh. In some, you'll get a rephrasing where it repeats and reinforces what was said. And then the third one is it builds on and adds to, gives us more information about what was said. And so what is missing in these Two verses. What is not there? That's right. There's no contrast. What is not said in these two verses is what will be the consequences. What is the opposite? That's right. Um, but... Um, as we move through the book of Proverbs, you certainly find uh, the consequences. And so, we all begin life the same way, with foolishness within us. And uh, it's just a part of being a child. Uh, I think about how foolish I was as a child. I think about the foolishness that God has had to deal with me on even as an adult. And we spend our life's journey become less and less foolish and more and more wise if we really are walking in humility with God. And so three different kinds of fools, and they're all over the book of Proverbs, um, what, is, what does this modern-day proverb mean? A good deal with a bad person is a bad deal. What does that mean? Mm 
Huh? Not going to get the proper instruction? Okay. Others? It's a losing situation? Okay. Anybody else? I got you. So we've been an example of that, of this proverb. Yes, sir. Ouch. Okay. Very good. So you get a good deal because he's giving it to you at a killer of a price. <laughs> but he's a bad person, didn't get it the right way. And now it's a bad deal because you are guilty of receiving stolen merchandise, which is against the law, and you're going to get in trouble for it, even though you did it with maybe good intention. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Glad you're back. We missed you. Uh... <laughs> so did I say there were 10 ways fools are identified in the book of Proverbs that they're easy to spot? And so uh, our list keep growing because um, there is just so much more than what we talk about. So one thing that you'll find with fools uh, very universally is that they have a bad understanding. Uh, Proverbs 4.19 says they don't, they don't know what they stumble over. Uh, they know they keep getting tripped up. Uh, things keep going poorly. They just can't figure out why. You can tell them by their companions. Um, the companion of fools will suffer harm. And so fools have a tendency to hang out with other fools. And that's where the harm comes from. By the influence, by the trouble they attract. Uh, whatever it is. Wise people prefer uh, wise companions. They prefer godly companions. And sometimes um, their suffering is visible, sometimes it's invisible. But um, that's what the book of Proverbs says, that a rod is for the back of him who lacks understanding that a fool suffers, that uh, suffering, it, it just comes with the territory of being foolish. So that fourth thing that 
is there. Um, it's by their arrogance. They're always sure that their foolishness is wisdom. It sounds good to them, and that's about as far as their minds can take them. But uh, what kind of a fool is this one when we talk about the three kinds of fools in the book of Proverbs? And this is from Psalm 73, by the way. But what kind of fool is this in the book of Proverbs? Is it the Kassil? Is it the Nabal? Is it the Evil? Which one is it? It says there, I bulges from fatness. They're talking about a person like they're living uh, high on the hog right now. Like things are starting out good for them. It says the imaginations of their heart run riot. You see what the issue is? It's not reality that's the issue. It's their imagination that's the issue. Uh, their imagination is darkened, it's twisted. And so they see fault where there is no fault. They see evil where there is no evil. They see things the wrong way. The imaginations of their heart run riot. And uh, verse number eight, they mock and wickedly speak of oppression. Um, this is them speaking of taking charge, taking over, oppressing those who are around them. And uh, it says they speak from on high. Uh, it sounds like God is talking or that's their mentality. Like, if I say it, it's gospel. They have set their mouth against the heavens. In other words, even people in heaven are not exempt from their criticism, and that includes God. God's way is not the right way. Uh, if it were, they'd be referring to God's way and God's will and not their own. And it says, and their tongue parades through the earth. In other words, they have a big list of criticisms. Um, it just parades through the earth from person to person. Uh, that's where their tongue is. So what kind of a fool is this? Which one? It is. Evil. That's the one that is arrogant. And that's the one that is offended by truth. And so, uh, number five, you can identify a fool by their reaction to wise counsel. The anger, the attack, and that's what Proverbs 29.9 talks about. 
when a wise man has a controversy with a foolish man, the foolish man either rages in anger or laughs in disgust or laughs in derision, and there is no rest. They just want to go on and on and on and on. Um, they will not tolerate an intelligent, mature conversation. They just don't want that. And so the book of Proverbs talks a lot about the reaction of fools. And number six, by their resistance or their inability to change. It is hard to get a fool to do anything different than what they're already doing. And Proverbs 27, 22 talks about that. And this is one of many places. It says, though you pound a fool in a mortar with a pestle, along with crushed grain. You can crush them into meal, yet his foolishness will not depart from him. Remember I asked the question, if it was true or false, that fools gain wisdom by their suffering? And some said true. This is why it's false. Because you can pound on a fool Pound and pound and pound, and their foolishness will not depart. Uh, no matter how much you pound, they still have the exact same opinion, the exact same thoughts, the exact same attitude, the exact same actions. Their inability to change. So number seven, uh, by their low productivity, they're often lazy, they're often idle, they're often apathetic, uh, meaning that they just don't care. Uh, they, 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 just, they just can't put their hearts into anything. There's no passion there is often that inability to master one's desires. What do you mean? I'd rather be sleeping, I'd rather be playing, or whatever it is. And so Proverbs 10.26 says, Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the lazy one to those who send him. In other words, uh, the person who is lazy, uh, this brand of foolishness, that it's an irritant to the ones who are depending on them, uh, like vinegar to the teeth, um, that, that uh, sensation that you just can't tolerate it's not quite a tickle, but it's something that just makes the teeth um, unbearable. Vinegar, uh, this irritant to the teeth, the, the, the smoke to the eyes, very irritating. 
And so it's the lazy person to those who are depending on them. They may take a job and they may enthusiastically take a job and they may take a title, but when you look at their productivity, it's never what you had hoped for. It's mediocrity. And it's just like mediocrity just follows this kind of a person. And then you can tell a fool by their hurry um, because they're short-sighted. They will run before they get the facts quite often. They will ruin an entire future for only a short time of satisfaction. Um, there are people in prison who will tell you uh, it was worth me being able to punch him. I'm in prison, but I would do it again. That's a fool. They uh, have an inability to correctly arrange priorities. And so they're in a hurry. They follow their impulses. They make quick, wrong decisions. They make very costly decisions. And so Proverbs chapter 1, their feet run to evil. Proverbs 6.18, their feet run rapidly to evil. And so do you see what attracts them? That which is not God's will. They're in a hurry to run in that direction. They can't wait to do things God's way. And number nine, by the injury of others, foolish people don't win souls. Instead, they injure souls. Proverbs 13, 20, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Um, if they make a friend, that friend is in trouble. They're going to influence that friend the wrong way. Um, be a bad example to the friend. And the book of Proverbs even says, don't associate with an angry person lest you learn their ways. The book of Proverbs, um, fools injure others. One of the dead giveaways is by the kind of relationship they have with God. This is someone who prefers evil over the holy. And this is more than just, I'm not sleeping with anybody. They often prefer their tongue to be used for evil than to be used for that which is holy you'll find them gossiping a whole lot more than you will ever find them witnessing or teaching the Bible. 
You can tell a fool by the kind of relationship they have with God. I am not trying to get any closer to God. That's a fool. I am satisfied with where I am spiritually. That's a fool. Did I say 10? Number 11, by their tongue, it tends to be profane. Uh, profane is that which is not holy. That's the definition of profane. They tend to use words, conversation that is inappropriate. And they tend to use conversation that is contentious, divisive. And so, that's why Proverbs 2 and 12 talks about wisdom delivers us from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things. Because that tends to be the foolish person. And God has told us how we are to use our tongue for that which is wholesome and that which builds up. But foolish people tend to use their tongue to tear down and divide. And uh, number 12, uh, the last way that we'll talk about how fools are identified is by their complacency. It's by their complacency. It says that the prudent, the wise man, that they will see evil and hide himself. In other words, I'm not going there. I'm going to avoid that. The, the naive, um, which is a fool who just hasn't gotten over their foolishness yet, but the naive... Go on, they, they, they walk right into it. And what's the outcome? Are they blessed by it? Is there like no cost for this? No, they're punished for it. We talked about complacency a little bit last week, and what do we say complacency is? That is what? Um, it is a feeling of comfort and even more so a feeling of security. A feeling of security. Uh, for instance, Korah and his gang during the wilderness walk uh, spoke against Moses and his leadership and were critical and all that and they were standing there uh, at their tent doors and uh, they were ready to get it on some more. Um, 
They had no idea that they were standing over a ground that was about to open under their feet and swallow them up and send them to hell alive. And so fools, when they are directly opposed to God and in danger of his judgment, don't realize it. They feel very secure and uh, are punished for it. Um, it's a danger for us to believe that we are the exception to what God said. And I would remind us that if he punished his own son, he certainly would punish me. And we've talked about this each week that there's too much of a price to pay. It's a high, high price that we have to pay for being foolish. So, what would you all say is the biggest foolishness that we could commit? What would y'all say that is? To do what? Losing your soul? Um, anybody else? To say there's no God? Okay. Anybody else? Not fearing God? Okay. And what's the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate? And all of you are right. And the ultimate that all of you are saying is, we die like that. That's the ultimate. We die like that. Um, the reason I do character camp is because it gives me a way to speak into those kids' lives. It's not about the fun. It's not just about their character. It's about their eternal soul. And I get to speak to their eternal souls and get to share Christ. And many of those kids, they receive Christ. And many of them come back and live it out and some come back and live it out for a while and fall away or whatever. But even those kids who come back and fall away, um, the joy is that God still owns them, still claims them. Maybe they've lost some reward but are still with the Lord. Um, some of those kids and... Uh, um, the ultimate foolishness is to die without God. 
He's always calling us, always giving an opportunity, always reminding us that people your age die. In fact, people younger than you die. One of the funerals that I did um, years ago was for an eight-month-old baby. People, um, people die at our age. And if we haven't surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, if we haven't been saved, if we haven't realized that we're sinners and that Jesus Christ is the only way that we can be saved because he's the only one who died for us. I was riding back from Louisiana with a guy, uh, one of my co-workers, and I started sharing with him and sharing the gospel with him and being very clear with him and... Um, I could tell that there was some softening of his position from our previous conversation. But he didn't go all the way and surrender to the Lordship of Christ. And so I still have him as a mark that I need to keep praying for him and I need to keep sharing with him because if he dies without Christ, all is lost. Nice guy. And God doesn't do nice. God does perfect. And when we stand before him, our record has to be perfect. And the only way to have a perfect record is if we have done that switch. And that's what Paul said to the Corinthians that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we may be made the righteousness of Christ. And uh, that's what happened on the cross. And when we receive him as Lord, uh, our record is switched. Our sin is forgiven. It goes to the record of Christ. It's already paid for. And so if you have never yielded to his lordship, never made him lord of your life, you got to do that. You got to do that. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we ask that you would probe our hearts and that you would convict us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Because on our own, we'll never get there. You have to reveal to us through the Holy Spirit, that we are rotten to the core. There is no good in any of us. And we only have goodness in us when your Holy Spirit comes to live in our lives. And that's because we have surrendered to your Lordship and given you the throne of our hearts and are now allowing you to grow us, to transform our minds into the mind of Christ, we are members of your family, and you're placing your good in us day by day. I pray, dear God, that you would trouble our hearts if we're not really surrendered. 
we're calling ourselves citizens of the kingdom. We're calling ourselves children of God. But we are so in control of our own lives. We are so focused on our own mission and not yours. I pray that you would just trouble our hearts until we come to that place where we have your heart. And when we have your heart, we'll have your mission, and we'll be trying to save souls, and we'll be trying to build up the church, to strengthen the church. We'll be trying to fit into the church, to use our giftedness, to submit to leadership, to work with fellow congregants. We'll be trying to get the work of Christ done. We'll be different people. It'll be a different demonstration that people will see from us. And I pray that you would trouble our hearts until we are truly submitted, surrendered to you, walking in obedience, walking in humility, walking in wisdom. If there is one who doesn't know you, save him today, save her today. Have your own way with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.